You're tuning in to the Bookmatic's Best Book Podcast, where you will discover author secrets from books that'll make you feel, grow, and learn. These authors are from all over the world, all different backgrounds, and you are sure to learn a whole lot from their personal experiences. So please enjoy, subscribe, and let's get into it. Hi, Bookmatic Lifelong Learners. Uh, in this episode today of the Bookmatic Lifelong Learners podcast, we have a special guest, Mike Dayem. Uh, he's the author of Suicidal to Superhuman. And uh, I read that book just last month, and it was a, an amazing book to read, very eye-opening. Uh, it's all about suicide. It's all about suicide awareness and understanding. Uh, I learned a whole lot that I did not know about before. So I believe that it's a very essential book for people to read to understand this topic. So I'll let Mike introduce himself. Thank you very much for coming on the episode. Oh, absolutely, Matt. Thank you for having me. And yeah, my name is Mike Dayem. I've been uh, studying both from the inside and outside how uh, we operate more specifically, you know, how I operate, but that carries over obviously to um, a lot of others. We have these similarities. Uh, but yeah, I studied, you know, psychology in college because I was confused and curious about what was going on and didn't really find the most satisfying answers for me. So uh, I looked elsewhere instead of going on to master's. I, I poked around everywhere else I could to figure out um, what was going on and, and experimented on myself with the, seeing what worked and what didn't and what made me happier and more depressed and all that. And um, uh, yeah, I'm happy to, to share things that I've found that have, that have worked and just what I've learned, however that might affect or help anybody else. All right. Yeah. So um, maybe can you tell us a little bit more about like your background and uh, why, why people should trust you with this topic? Because I know <laughs> your book, I know your book talks a little bit about that. At least your bio does. And I, I was pretty impressed with your bio. So uh, maybe you can tell people about that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do my best. Um, and, and as we just spoke briefly before this, um, before we started, you know, I love drawing on different fields on, on, I'm a generalist and I love learning from, uh, anything I can and getting this rich picture of, of the world. Um, and with that attitude, you know, I, I, looked into, uh, you know, I studied with a medicine man in, in shamanism, the Lakota way. I looked in mythology. I actually became an actor for a while, and I don't talk too much about that, but the more I do talk about it, the more I realize how impactful that was actually on my path, just learning from the inside that way of like exploring different parts of myself. And part of that training was mythology and learning stories that, you know, transcend our individual selves, like Joseph Campbell and the whole, um, these profound uh, 
stories that pop up all over all over the world for eons and eons. And uh, anywhere else, really, in terms of convincing someone why they should trust me, um, that's not necessarily my strong suit. I, I tell people to question everything, try what works, um, take what doesn't, and, and have an open mind. Um, especially this day and age, it's such a, uh, you know, we have that added incentive of making money and branding and all this. And, and the truth is a lot of this stuff is old stuff where it's, this isn't new on how we operate. People have studied this and different lineages and, and cultures for as long as we've been around. How do we operate? What makes us healthier? What, you know, what doesn't? So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a huge, uh, supporter of, of drawing from whatever you can. So, um, you know, should you come look what I have to offer? Yes. Great. If it resonates with you, wonderful. If somebody else is telling a similar message, um, and it, it may or may not land with you, you know, finding somebody who can ignite those parts of you is a big part of it. You know, there's some people that, that just say things in the right way or, or, um, communicate things with just the right combination of flavors that that awaken something and and that's really important so yeah if any of this you know resonates please jump in and check out more yeah i got that vibe from the book as well like the fact that you know yeah maybe other people are saying something quite similar like i noticed some similarities between your book and some other self-help books but the theme in your book is talking about suicide and mental health. So I thought putting that theme on your book was unique and very helpful for uh, someone that, you know, maybe had suicidal thoughts or someone who knows another person with suicidal thoughts. Um, and also the title is great too, like suicidal to superhuman. Like after we become more aware of ourselves, uh, after we, we become more whole, that's kind of like our superpower kind of, or we become superhumans, unstoppable, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that topic is very dear to me because I've struggled a lot. So, um, and, and I also think it's very important in, in whatever we pursue that we don't only focus on our strengths right? It's nice to focus on our, our weakness too. And that goes culturally as well. That goes in larger systems too. So if, if we only focus on what we're achieving as a culture, you know, that's, that's one thing, but to approach it from both sides, say, okay, this is the, this is the cream of our culture, but what's, what's uh, being neglected? What's not working in our culture? We have to address that too. And when we put effort into both sides, I think then we really have something uh, that can carry us forward in a really healthy way and hopefully a very long way. Otherwise we end up doing, you know, having, having a lash back if we, if we push yeah. too far in one way or ignore something, it, it comes back and bites us, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So. Can you tell us uh, some more, maybe some misconceptions around suicide? Hmm. Misconceptions around suicide. Well, I, I, I think here's what comes to mind. And um, 
I think this might be a potentially uh, contentious point, which I don't know. I, I, I like to stir the pot. And um, I think one big thing I say that, you know, either resonates or triggers people is that suicide means there's something wrong with you. Um, and I think that's a misconception that if somebody's suicidal, that they have uh, um, something's inherently wrong with them. And, you know, what I say and, and have experienced with myself is like, hey, if, if I'm really in a, in a spot where I'm, um, I'm not contributing, I'm not living anything that I'm, I'm meant to be doing, I'm, like the fact that that arises in me isn't an unhealthy thing. It, you know, there's a lot of unhealthy things happening for me to get to that point, but it, it, it's a, um, it's a trigger for course correction. You know, we, we have these things that come up that are, uh, meant to help guide us. And, and what we really need to focus on is then getting the right guidance. But, uh, I, I don't at all believe in, in, you know, genetic that, you know, you just, oh, you have this, this is in your genes or whatever you have, uh, um, a predisposition towards towards something like that. I think it's much deeper than that. I, I'm more on the field of you know karmic. I think these things are playing out, and and we have to navigate through them. Um, mm -hmm. And for me personally, hearing you know when I was feeling down, just feeling that or playing out that cultural story that this was my problem and um, I was the cause of it didn't help at all mm -hmm. at all. I mean, that, that made it worse. That made me spiral more. It's like, not only now do I have a problem, but I also am the problem. Mm -hmm. So to kind of break that up a little and separate it and say, look, I, this is okay. There needs to be a big course, correct somehow and, and may or may not eat help, but, um, that's often where I, I start, and I may have um, may have gone off on a little tangent, Matt. Sorry if I did, but um, oh, it's all right. It's all right. It, it's it's amazing so often how much an impact that can have right there when someone is you know in especially if in a state of distress and just simply say like that you know those feelings are okay. They're 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 normal in the mm -hmm. state you're in. They're normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned also about how the society has an effect as well. I think that was one of the major points in your book as well, right? I, I think I bring that up a couple times. Uh, are you referring to a specific? Um, yeah, um, just the fact that, um, you know, a lot of the time the problem is not the, the person themselves. There's nothing wrong with the mm. person, yet society... Uh, I don't know, something like shuns them or uh, I don't, I can't remember the exact phrase that you used, but. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I also, I mentioned systems before and I often look at, um, I love looking at different scales of things. So we have ourselves individually and I see a lot of mirrors when we look at, you know, it's a town or a, a little a group or a nation or even the world. So I think when somebody, yes, we, we do shun 
suicide as a culture. And, and that does push us further out, which often exacerbates the problem. Um, if you're already isolated and you know don't want to share, this isn't something that if, if you're feeling these thoughts and depressed, it's not something that's easy to just go share with people, especially if it's an ongoing thing. If this is like five, 10 years and you've been depressed, it's exhausting. You go, you call the same friend. It's like, hey, I'm depressed again. You know, there gets a point where they don't want to hear it. And, and you know, I, I've always been empathetic. So if I leaned on people a lot, I didn't want to um, continually put that burden on somebody else. So what happens is that creates further isolation. So to find a group or, or people that you can um, start to remedy some of these things is, is really important. To, and, and usually that takes a different way of thinking. If everybody around you, and this was my upbringing, nobody was really talking about this outwardly. And the only people that were, were psychologists that were trained in the same way that I ultimately went into that didn't really agree with. You know, I, I saw therapists in my teens and then I went into um, psychology in college and, and was like, oh, well, this is what they were saying. It didn't really work too well for me there. And it, I also don't see that mirroring me. I, I feel like it left things out. And I'll touch, I'll touch on another um, point in regards to scales. And that is that... Um, I, I see humanity almost as the nervous system of the earth. And when there's pressure going on on the planet, if there's global pressure, and that could be a whole uh, slew of different things, you know, one could just be population, the way we're, you know, you know, mass producing and, and, and oil. I don't want to get into a political thing, but, you know, there's pressure. Human beings are applying a pressure to the planet, right? And that comes out in different ways. So if you see us as, you know, the nervous system of the earth, that, that comes out in that way. And, and we, and often more sensitive individuals, react more to that. So I have personally felt a bit more in touch with certain pressures and certain things and felt that oftentimes a lot of my uh, depression or confusion was bigger than me. And oftentimes it is me, but oftentimes it's not. And in, in German, I'm, I'm half German. In German, there's a word called Weltschmerz and it's, it means world hurt. And it, it probably translates best to English as to carry the weight of the world on your shoulders. It's a bit mm. different. But even that saying kind of implies that it, it's bigger than just us. So I, I like to have that also as an option, because sometimes when we're really down on ourselves, just to take a little bit of a load off can be a tremendous load. Sometimes that's the difference between, you know, breaking the camel's back or not. So, you know, if, if I'm personally feeling down, but I'm also feeling the weight of the world, and I can at least have the tool to, to, or knowledge to be like, oh, not all of this is mine. That can sometimes be enough to just have a little bit of a uh, break, which will lead to a bigger reprieve. And then, then, you know, you get through 
a bit more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so uh, that, that's a fantastic uh, description and a good, great answer for sure. Um, you know, one thing that I really liked about the book that could, you know, really help a whole lot of people experiencing these, these feelings. Um, can you maybe tell us more about the exercises in your book? Because I felt like that was a great part, like breathing exercises, you know, things that in your book that can actually help people to overcome these, these feelings. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and there's a lot in there. That is a seriously robust chapter. Um, so to keep things simple, just for the, you know, we only have a little bit of time here. Uh, you know, breathing exercise, some of the meditation, so powerful. It's incredible. But it can take a little bit of time. It, you know, we start out sometimes and we don't get it. When I started meditating, I didn't really get it. And it can take some time to sink in and really understand what's happening and the value that has. But, you know, for the sake of this, one of the tools is, I, I use the term wide angle vision, which I learned in some of the indigenous ways, studying with some outdoorsmen and trackers. And, and that, that was a big part of, of my life. And to be aware of things, more things is, can often help dissipate uh, tension and depression. If, if we're really depressed, we're often focused on one thing, or if we have anxiety, or, or if we're suicidal, we're often caught in this train of thought or this story. And something as simple as, as wide angle vision can help break that up a bit. And essentially what it is, is just softening focus. And this is, I love when things are in different cultures and I practice Qigong as well. And in Qigong, they call it a soft gaze. And when you practice, you simply unfocus your eyes. And what that does, it, it actually recruits a different area of your, of your eyes. It doesn't recruit just what's directly behind, but you, you start to recruit different area and it, it actually has a, you know, neurological change as well, but it, it has an effect on the brain where it looks, we begin to look for and see what's there. We, we see more of what's there, not just what we're focused on. And it also helps us shift out of our kind of linear thinking brain and into what I call our, our bigger selves, like our, our, our wiser, higher selves. There's a lot of different terms for it. So just even practicing that for a couple minutes a day can be, can be really profound. Yeah. Definitely. I, I think one of my favorite exercises out of, out of your book was, uh, if I recall correctly, it's, you know, when you're uh, touching your bare feet to uh, nature, to soil, mm. right? I think it was bare feet and hands, if I recall correctly. 
and just taking taking in the nature, taking in big big breaths, uh, just the feeling of the connection with Earth, because uh, you know we were born of the Earth and we also die into the Earth as well. So uh, I believe having that connection to everything is uh, quite an amazing feeling, right? <laughs> oh, it's it's incredible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and being, being blown away by nature can put things into perspective that otherwise consume us. And I, I'm fortunate. I live near the coast here in California and, you know, I've had periods that are difficult. And if you go sit by the ocean, things so often just become insignificant next to the ocean. Mm -hmm. And we always have that available to us. Sometimes it's really powerful to have a, an exterior reminder of what that is. And sometimes we need something as powerful as that, but to be caught in just this awe of something so much more powerful and um, is, is a great tool. And yeah, feeling, especially since so many of us wear shoes all the time, Go feel your feet, especially if the ground is cold or hot, get that sensation. And um, another tool not far off from those two is the see how small you are, see how big you are and really getting down. I have, you know, loops. Um, they're like little microscopes. They're typically meant for jewelry, but you get a loop and, you know, you buy one for $10 and you just go look at tiny things and, you can get you can get overwhelmed with curiosity and, and wonder by looking at something that's on your counter or you know right outside your front door. It doesn't matter where you live and to realize all this wonderful stuff is around us mm -hmm. can help break us out of these these narratives that we sometimes can get stuck in if mm -hmm. if that's mm -hmm. the case. Yeah, curiosity equals progress. Curiosity <laughs> equals progress, I think. <laughs> it what, keep, yeah, it, I love what that. keeps us driving keeps us going forward curiosity oh, for sure um so you had a little uh, bit of focus in there it'd be wonderful <laughs> yeah definitely um so a here's a little bit more of a serious question um hmm. i guess they all kind of serious a little bit but yeah um now if someone walked up to you mike and they said um they said Right now, I want to, uh, they're, they're struggling to live and they're wanting to die. Like basically they want to commit suicide. What would you say to them? Oh my God. Um, that's, a, that's a tricky question. And, and in part, I think it's tricky for me personally because I work very much with people. So without having a, that person there and feeling the amount of information that's coming from them when they say that, there's so many details that are, are I don't know, right? Um, but in, in short, I'll, I'll do my best to give an answer that, um, or not necessarily an answer, but a, a theme, a direction. I typically hear that 
really hear that. Like not, I don't judge it. I don't get scared. I don't feel that it's wrong and that there's a problem with the person. That's that I think is universal. And I think we typically have a reaction that's just simply no, like, oh my God, no, why? Oh, do you got to talk to someone? It's like, whatever else is is told there that person typically it really needs to be heard and um i try to hear enough where i understand why you know not just what do we do to fix this but oh wow that's a serious feeling that is a really serious feeling what story are you living in that has led you to that conclusion and i i don't know why but i feel like um a lot of times i feel like i'm talking to a parent right now i have no idea why but i feel like if you're a parent listening to this and it's your kid uh, this could be next to impossible because you're so close. You know, it's the last thing you could possibly, it's so far from your natural inclination to like support and let this child thrive that to, to really sink into that, like, oh, tell me more, like why seems impossible. Uh, I don't know why I'm, I'm just compelled to bring that up. So being a little bit further out or being a little bit, um, uh, a little bit more detached can really open up that curiosity and just because it's such a heavy topic doesn't mean we lose that curiosity and i i think that curiosity is best kept alive if we're not triggered or closed off by fear and if it's you know somebody very close to you that's really hard to do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so basically just open up and listen to them. Right. Yeah. But again, it, it's, it's hard. Like if somebody's, if somebody's really triggered and in a panicky state, you know, and, and suicidal, uh, that, that could be, that could be different. Um, mm -hmm. or if it's a long-term, like, you know, the decade long, I'm just, just, you know, blah, I'm already pretty much dead inside and just wanting to finalize it or make it physical as well. I, I wish I had a, an answer that I felt would be universal, but I, I just, I, I don't. As many similarities as each of us, as we have with each other, I think situationally there can be such a, a profound number of differences that... right. I think if there was an answer to that, a really good answer, I, I don't think we'd have a problem. <laughs> yeah. I think if we were mathematical, right. um, if we could approach the human condition in such a, a linear or mathematical way, I, I think we'd be much further mm -hmm. along in, in this. Yeah. But, well, you know, I like your, your initial response. And I know you mentioned this in the book. Uh, our initial reaction would be something like, no, no, you, you need to go talk to someone, right? Like you freak out basically if you hear something like that. But uh, 
I remember you specifically said in your book that that's probably not the best way to approach the situation. Better to, you know, try to, like what you said, um, don't freak out and just be like all ears, right? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah, keep it, yeah, just keep it a little bit more... Um, I think the way I said it in the book is just because something is, is really heavy doesn't mean it needs to be weighty. And I, I think that's a little, um, that may be a little bit unclear, but uh, we can have these talks without being, feeling like we're in mud. Mm-hmm. Like when, when, when topics are very, serious topics like this we can still have them with a sense of that you know curiosity with the wonder with genuine uh, intrigue and i think in in having that mindset that can be inspiring too mm-hmm. but um yeah mike yeah i want to share uh favorite quote from the book, or I mean, there's a lot of great quotes from the book, but here's one of them that I thought was good. And maybe you can elaborate a little bit on it. Yeah. So absolutely. uh, Yeah. Judgment day is every day and it is not a fearful place at all, but an empowering practice to wake up to every morning. It has become a reliable companion and guide. I really love that quote. Really love that quote. Can you uh, elaborate a little bit on it? Yeah. Um, I think it's easy to blind ourselves. And let me start by just talking about judgment day. I mean, we obviously use that term in, in religious context, but I also, I also, use that term not also the way i actually use that term is basically i believe when we pass we will have to account for things we will have a clarity during our passing or after that we otherwise don't have and and i think in that passing we have this um judgment where we judge ourselves whatever else Um, and that's where people on their deathbed have, you know, regrets or wisdom and this clarity. And there is an upside to, you know, having these thoughts in my explorations and of suicide and getting rather close. I have had clarity of like, if I'm going to die today, if I'm going to die now, what, what is that clarity? What wisdom comes with that? And how do we apply that to our life? And, you know, the samurai, I loved martial arts in high school and college and studied samurai and all that stuff. And, you know, the way of the warrior Bushido was this meditation on death. Like every day that the warrior's way would be, they would stay close to death. 
And for me, that came about in, in, a, in a different way, you know, through wanting to die. And, but I see where the power of that comes. It comes from being clear. And in that clarity, decisions become easier. You can, you know, you're not so easily swayed by, by money or by material things or by this. That I find that keeping closer to myself in that way allows me to make decisions from a place of a bigger place, a wiser place. So, and you know, I, I, um, I do my best to practice these, but I definitely slip, you know, suicidal is superhuman is not a, it's not a one-way street. It's a scale. You know, we can all be anywhere on that scale. And just cause we've got, just cause I've had wonderful periods of life doesn't mean I'm not, uh, you know, it, it's not, I can still slide back, right? I have to practice. I have to keep practicing and keep these tools. And I absolutely, you know, go through phases where I get obsessed with a project or whatever. And then I catch myself like, oh my God, I'm totally overwhelmed or feeling all this tension, all this stuff. And I have to kind of come back to, to the core and um, but I, I think, I think staying a little bit closer than we like to talking a little bit more about death, not pushing it off or ignoring it. I, I feel like that's not a big topic in our life, death and honoring death and realizing we all die. And it's such a, uh, topic that is, is kind of dismissed or there's a cultural kind of fear around it. We, we try to live as long as we can. And I think that's a mistake. I think we need to honor it and learn from people who've been close to it and revere it even, and hopefully get to a place where when our time has come, we look forward to it because we've lived good lives. So that, that to me is, is kind of what that statement means. And mm -hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of Memento Mori, which is the Stoics. Um, I've read quite a, a lot about that, uh, especially from Ryan Holiday, Seneca, Marcus Aurelius. And uh, yeah. this saying means like, uh, keep, I forget what the translation is to Memento Mori, but basically keep death close to you. So you always got that in mind that you're, you are going to die. So um focus on your life right now and live that life to the fullest. And um, there was one last point in your book as well that I wanted to bring up a very positive point. If you are down at the very bottom, which actually I think you mentioned you cannot be down at the very bottom, something like that. Um, but yeah, basically if you are down at the lowest part of your life, look at your life and try to find, okay, well, uh, if I'm down at the very bottom, can't I like make it better by just doing the things that I want to do? Uh, and like, I think you mentioned something for like six months or for like a year, just do everything you want to do, uh, do everything that you set out to do and see what it looks like after that and see how far you have progressed and see how uh, how much maybe better your life is. Um, 
maybe I got some, some of that wrong. Maybe can you clarify a little bit for us? Sure. Um, so I talk about rock bottom and, and for me, rock bottom is death. And I, I know that I've consciously looked for rock bottom because you hear about rock bottom or, or I did at least I heard people that, you know, said like, Oh, I remember when I hit rock bottom and then I took off and it had a little bit of a romantic idea around it. Like, Oh, well, I feel low. Where's this rock bottom so that I too can then be on this trajectory of, of goodness and health. And I looked for it and I realized things can always get worse. And, and until you die, things can always get worse. And I realized that rock bottom. And sometimes you make that choice and, and you, you still have a little bit further to go. But you can use the... I, I don't want to tout this as sage advice, but in my experience, being in that state gave me a courage that enabled me to do things that otherwise I might not have had the courage to do. And I, I think this ties right into, you know, keep death close to you. Because if you feel that you may not have time and, and you want to do a thing or two so that you don't have a regret. You might be more apt to do it if you, if you think, you know, the end is near, but in, in terms of the other part of that question, uh, when we feel really low or down, it can be a good time to see what, does inspire you you know that that's healthy if you if you you know if you feel like drinking or, or substances is like oh well i really want to do that it's like well no that's not what i'm talking about like what is something that is you know a, a, a deeper and natural thing that might inspire you i've always been an avid outdoorsman and and um you know, I've done some hunting and I've done some uh, work with animals. And um, when I was in a very low place, I didn't want to do anything. And then an opportunity came up that I'm like, well, that sounds that I'm intrigued by. And it wasn't even that big. It was like, wow, that's simply just enough to get me off the couch or get you out of bed. And those are the things that even at your lowest point, like, wow, I do have an inspiration to do that. If I don't want to do anything else, I have a little pull to do that. And, and that can often be a route to igniting some things that can be really uh, long lasting and, and keep you inspired to, to live and, and pursue something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And on that note, because I'm sure there's folks out there who are simply like, Nope, there's nothing. There's absolutely nothing. And on that note, that, that sometimes is where the meditation, the, the mindfulness becomes really powerful. Because oftentimes those pulls 
And those little inspirations are really quiet, especially if you're down. And again, you're living out this story or you have this narrative that is, is just impossible to break out of. Oftentimes you, you just can't hear those really quiet desires. So doing those practices, the wide angle vision, which is a really you know basic and simple one, uh, but getting more into the meditation and mindfulness, those start to become a little bit louder. And that is really important because you don't want to miss those quiet voices that might be the you know little seed that grows into what you ultimately want to do while you're here. Mm -hmm. Definitely, Mike. Amazing. Amazing, for sure. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I, I do highly recommend the listeners and uh, watchers on YouTube to, uh, to pick up your book. Like uh, if you want, guys want to see all these exercises that we're talking about, uh, they're very helpful even for anyone. It doesn't matter who you are. I believe that they're very helpful. So uh, that leads me to one of the last questions is uh, why should our listeners buy your book. Well, if, if there is a struggle with anybody near you things in a way that will um, allow that relationship to progress. If, if I, if people close to me, especially in my, you know, teens and twenties, had some of the information that I'm talking about, I think they would have looked at me very differently in a way that could have allowed me uh, both to be seen and give me the support in a, in a healthy way, or just, just understand more. And if you yourself are depressed or anxious or suicidal, my goal here is, is, you know, both to provide tools, but also to give words to what maybe you aren't able to give words to. It's, it's doubly difficult. It's difficult to recognize often what it is going on with us. And then it's also hard to find the words to express that in a way that's really accurate and honest. So I, I worked hard to try to make that as succinct as possible and give different options throughout the book where, you know, some of the most impactful things I've heard from readers is like, yes, you put into words what I felt, but wasn't able to express. And that can be really powerful because if we don't really know what's happening with us, it's harder to fix the problem. So to hone in on what it is going on can be a great step to, you know, working to resolve it. Yeah, no doubt. So uh, is there anything else that you would like to add, Mike? Uh, if people are intrigued or, or, you know, feel that this kind of resonated or, or landed with them, then yeah, check, check more out. I'm, I try to be active. I'm on mikedam.com. That's a great way to keep in touch. Um, obviously, Matt, with you, uh, I'm on Instagram. We're in touch there. And I'm on Facebook. All is Mike Dayam. And I'm constantly trying to do more and put out more information 
I'm, I just did a program. I'll likely do one again where, you know, we dive really specifically into some tools that have been really impactful to me. So I'm constantly doing stuff. I highly encourage people to keep in touch if anything of this lands with them. And mm. uh, where can they find their, uh, your program and your book? And if you want to mention anything about your program, you can right now. And I'll um, include links and uh, descriptions of all your uh, profiles and your program and stuff in the description of this post. Yeah, I, I post on um, MikeDayM.com is probably the best way. You can buy the book there. I know you're international. I, it is on Amazon available internationally. So that's probably your best bet to buy it. Get on Amazon, get a copy. And uh, in regards to the program, it's really about mindfulness and diving into some specific narratives. It's amazing how the things we believe are embedded in everything around us. I can look at, you know, a toaster oven. I can look at a couch. And if I really dig into feelings and things, it's, it's amazing how our stories are everywhere. So with the program, I break, it's called cracking the narrative. And I, I offer some tools some guided journeys and meditations and uh, worksheets and integration, like groups where we, we start to break that up just a little bit where other options can come in, where we can allow bigger things, our bigger self to start to shine through and, and be part of our, our life, part of our experience. And um, yeah, I, I have an email list I, I put out a little bit and uh, things are very fluid right now. So I... Um, I'm not sure if listeners will have time to jump into one of the current programs or things happening, but I uh, in, uh, invite you to keep in touch and I'll keep you posted. And I try to put out really good content for people to um, people can grow with. Fantastic, Mike. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Listeners appreciate it. So yeah, thank you so much. Absolutely, Matt. It was my pleasure. Pleasure to yeah. meet you in this way as well. So, yeah. And audience listening, make sure to pick up Mike's book. Uh, you'll definitely enjoy it. You'll get a whole lot from it, no matter who you are. So, yeah, pick that up on his website and uh, Amazon.com. And I will see you in the next episode.